It's beautiful to hear that prayer, to come to God and ask that He come nearer to us. And that's what we do each time, each week, and each day when we come to God, when we open His Word, and when we open our hearts. This morning, we are celebrating Easter. And the sermon topic this morning, or the title, is Encountering the Living God. And that's a, ser- or a, a topic that we're going to look at over the next number of weeks between now and Pentecost. What does it look like to really encounter God, not just the, uh, in person, the way that people did in the stories in the Bible, but for us today? This morning, uh, we are going to look at the story of Mary Magdalene meeting Jesus. And behind me, you can see there's a a picture where normally we would have the words of the story on the screen behind me, and I would say something to you like, uh, follow along on the screen or pull out your Bible. But this is a a mosaic depiction of Mary Magdalene meeting Jesus. This is in the Resurrection Chapel in the Washington National Cathedral in the United States. And the reason I have this picture behind me is that this, well, there's several reasons, But one of them is that this morning I want to invite you to listen to the story, to try to picture and watch it unfold, because these are not words to be read. These are stories to be told and uh, people that you are invited to meet, most of all, Jesus. So just invite you to, uh, if it's helpful to look at that picture behind me, if it's helpful just to reflect and listen to the words and uh, engage with the story in the way that's best for you. We already read this morning verses 1 through 9 of John chapter 20, and so I'm going to continue reading uh, verses 10 through 18. So, the disciples, John tells us, still did not understand from the Scriptures that Jesus had to rise from the dead. So the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary, Mary Magdalene, stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over and looked into the tomb. She saw two angels seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said. I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Thinking that he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you, if you have carried him away, tell me where you put him. I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned around turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means rabbi, teacher, my teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. So Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them all that he had said, all the things that he had said to her. 
so far the reading of God's Word. This Easter story begins with Mary weeping. The other disciples came to the tomb, found it empty, and went away, worried or afraid. But by the end of our story, Mary is not weeping, she is not worried, she is not afraid. She is overjoyed. Jesus' resurrection was not only the start of a new life for Jesus, it was also the start of a new life for Mary and for the rest of Jesus' disciples. When we hear stories like this one, when we read about moments like this one, I think we sometimes expect that Jesus' disciples, or that Jesus' resurrection solved everything for his disciples. That Mary and Jesus' disciples went on and had wonderful lives. If it was a story, we might, we might expect it to say, they lived happily ever after. But they didn't, of course. There's much more to each of their stories. The story of Easter and the story of Jesus' resurrection is not a story that's tied up with a nice bow and they lived happily ever after. It's not a story about Jesus making his disciples' lives easier. It's a story about Jesus giving his disciples' lives meaning and purpose. So what about you? Do you want an easy life or do you want a meaningful life? Do you want an easy life? Do you want a meaningful life? How we answer this question dramatically changes how we engage with the world around us. How we solve our problems, what indeed we think of as a problem, what qualifies as a problem changes if you're looking for a life of ease or if you're looking for a life of meaning. If you are looking for a life that is full of meaning, Jesus is a good and perfect guide. But if you're looking for an easy life, Jesus will disappoint you. In fact, just about everyone and everything will disappoint you. Excuse me. That doesn't mean that even for Christians that we stop looking for ease, for the easy way out or for an easy life sometimes. Even when we say and when we've decided, I want a life of meaning and I want a life following Jesus, it's still easy sometimes to want to backtrack or turn around or uh, question our choices to wonder whether an easy life would be better. When I think about encountering God and what it looks like for us as modern people to encounter God in 2023, there's three things that are kind of swirling around in my mind and I think in our society these days. The first one is that all of us have lost something. All of us, the second, all of us feel stuck or limited in some way. And the third, the speed of life increasingly feels like it's faster and faster and spinning out of control. That many things in life feel like they're out of our control. Maybe you only engage or, or connect with two of those three. Maybe you're lucky and only one of those three feels like it's relevant or, or connected to your life. But especially when these three things come together, they build up into a kind of exhaustion or malaise. We could call it being stuck in a rut. You could say that you're overwhelmed. You could pretend that, well, life's just a little bit busy right now and soon it will be better. 
maybe soon, never comes. Here's the thing. If you're looking for an easier life, these experiences are going to make life very difficult for you. Sure, people will be kind and they will encourage you and they'll say, well, just push a little harder, just keep going a little longer. But that exhaustion hits, that malaise hits because these forces are unrelenting. If it's not one thing, it's another one. No sooner do we solve one problem than another uh, presents itself. If we're looking for a life of ease, these push us to our limits and beyond, to our breaking point and beyond. Excuse me again. There always will be another challenge, another loss, something else that picks up speed and helps us or makes us feel like life is out of control. Our situations are often difficult. Trying to change our situation, trying to escape from our troubles, often adds stress or adds struggles rather than actually helping. This is the story of the prodigal son, which Jesus tells earlier in his ministry. This young man thinks that he's in a bad situation, that he's not getting the honor or respect that he deserves and so at home, so he runs away. But very quickly he finds that his problems have gone with him to a new place. He's in a worse situation, only now he's far from help, far from support, far from the community that was back home with all of his problems. So if you're hoping for a little Easter cheer, don't worry, it's coming, but I'm going through all of this because I think we can only see good news for what it is when we realize our present situation for what it is. We can't run away from our problems or our grief or our stress, and often we can't solve them either or fix them, certainly not in our own strength. So what can we do? Well, today we heard and pictured in our minds that story about Mary meeting Jesus. And I want to be so bold as to suggest that you're either here this morning, either because you believe in resurrection and you believe in new life, or because you want to believe in resurrection and new life, even if you don't. And I'm not just talking about physical resurrection and physical new life. Either you want to believe that change and transformation is truly possible, or either you do believe that, or you, you like to, even if you don't. So what if this story could help us in some way? Well, before we return to Mary in the garden, let's remember Jesus. We get, some of us gathered on Thursday night to remember Jesus' last supper with his disciples. And to those of us who are gathered here, I said that Jesus was betrayed by one of his disciples, he was denied by another one, and he was abandoned by all the rest. And then he was tortured and killed in the slowest, most painful, most shameful way possible. From a human perspective, Jesus lost everything. When Mary entered the garden that morning, that Easter morning, all she had was her own human perspective, her own limited view. She saw the betrayal. She heard about the denial. She watched Jesus being tortured and then killed. She saw his body before they took him to the grave. 
For Mary, Jesus' life was done. She was grieving. She was stuck. She must have felt distressed and overwhelmed. Maybe not so different from you. But in her, in her moment of desperation, Mary first sees angels, and then she sees someone she thinks is a gardener. But the gardener is Jesus. Jesus calls her name. Jesus' words have power. Immediately when Jesus says her name, he transformed, her perspective is transformed. She doesn't see the gardener from her limited perspective. She sees the Son of God. She sees Jesus from God's perspective. See, there was another time in the Bible when a gardener spoke words of power and that world was changed. In the chaos of our world, God spoke words of power and a garden was created and was filled with good things. In that garden, God blessed his people. He told them exactly who they were and what they were here for. Those words were particular to the first people, but they also were connected to deep truths about who God is and who all people are. This was the beginning of the world, the story of creation. And without these words of power, nothing would have been possible. Not the good, not even the bad, and not the redemption of Jesus Christ. In this place, too, just outside of an empty grave, the gardener speaks. He speaks powerful words to Mary Magdalene that were specific for her. These words called Mary to a great honor and to a big task. But they were also connected with the universal truth about who God is and who all God's people are. Jesus' words were part of his message. But we see from Mary's reaction that the main part of Jesus' message was not the words that he spoke. The main part of Jesus' message was Jesus himself, Jesus' existence, his resurrection body, his actual life, his real person standing there in front of her. Jesus did not just say God's words to Mary. Jesus was God's message to Mary. Mary, of course, shared Jesus' words, his message with the disciples. But what she said, what John tells us she said, is, I have seen the Lord. Mary's encounter with Jesus was the main part of the message that she carried to the disciples. And the disciples, as the story continues, also not only waited eagerly to encounter Jesus, to experience him, excuse me, But when they did, when the disciples did meet Jesus, when they did encounter him, their lives were changed too. When Mary and then later the disciples meet Jesus, the first thing that happens is they see Jesus from God's perspective. They don't see him as they saw him before. They see him somehow new and different. But then a second thing happens as well. Their lives are totally changed. Their lives are changed by their encounter with Jesus. What I don't mean is that their situation improved. What I don't mean is that everything got easier. What I mean is that they also saw themselves. 
from God's perspective. They didn't just see themselves as they were. They didn't just see themselves as individuals. They began to see themselves as God saw them. Mary's life, the disciples' lives, did not get easier after Jesus' resurrection. In fact, history tells us that most of the disciples were killed by the enemies of God, just as Jesus was killed. But somehow, this group of people, Mary included, went from being lost and from being stuck, from feeling out of control, to being brave, confident, powerful, joyful people. How is that possible? How is that possible when their situation didn't change or improve? How is that possible when none of them became political or social influencers? How is it possible when even none of them even generated the crowds that Jesus did? Not Mary, not any of the disciples had thousands of people that they ever spoke to. And yet, I would dare say that not one of us here think that their lives are wasted or lost. What happened? Well, what happened is they encountered God. They encountered God. The disciples remained in exactly the same situation. The chaos around them did not go away. In fact, it actually became worse. But their minds were transformed, their hearts were transformed, and their lives were transformed because they met God. They encountered God and his power embodied in Jesus. Because they encountered God in Jesus, they saw Jesus and they saw themselves from God's perspective. God shared his power and his perspective with them. And this new power from God, this new perspective from God, gave them new life. Not just for a short time, not just for, a, for an experience or a moment or a day. It gave them new life for the rest of their lives. So what about you? Do you see yourself only in the moment, only as you are? If all you can see about yourself is the difficult situation that you're in, then you will always remain hopeless. Because even if you get out of that difficult situation, another one, sooner or later, will come along. But this Easter, God is inviting you to stop, to pause. God is inviting you to listen to things in you. Our world is full of chaos. God calls you by name. He says, you are not lost. You are not stuck. You are not out of control. I am with you. I am your God. I am in control. And then God will say to you what he says to each of his disciples, what he says to me, follow me. Follow me. God's goal is not to make your life or my life easier, but to bring us face to face with him. God's goal is to bring you to an encounter with himself where he will introduce you to his power, to his provision, to his direction, where he will introduce you to his love. 
you may still expect that when you encounter Jesus, everything in your situation will be okay or better. Maybe you think or expect that it will happen immediately. Or maybe you continue to expect that it will happen eventually. But when you encounter God, He will first speak His words of purpose to you. In fact, He is always speaking His words of purpose and love to you. Speaking through His Holy Spirit, speaking through His Word. Like Mary, like Jesus' first disciples, we are not always seeing not always listening, not always understanding when God speaks. Too often we come to God and we ask for something, something we want, something we need, some change we're hoping for. Then we run away we go about our regular business and maybe a week or two later we come back to God and we ask for the same thing again. And then we run away again and we continue on with our lives again and we get grieved, frustrated, we feel stuck. We feel overwhelmed and out of control. So we try harder. We run away again. We go about our business. We return to God. We ask for the same thing and it just gets worse. You might even think that God is ignoring you. But God is always speaking to you. Easter reminds us of the power of God and the truth of new life. Not just for Jesus, but for his followers. If you slow your heart and your mind enough in order to hear God, if you really begin to meet with him, you will have the same reaction that Mary had. It's a beautiful part of this story that I want to highlight for you. Something you miss if you just read the words. Jesus says to her, Mary... And then John tells us that she responds by saying Rabboni, which means teacher. Then something happens that we can't see with the words. Because Jesus' next words are, do not hold on to me. Something's happened, hasn't it? When When Jesus reveals himself to Mary, Mary clearly says, teacher. And then she goes and she grabs him, right? She wants to hold him to be close to him, to touch him. He says, you don't have to hold on to me. When we meet with God, when we really begin to encounter him, our reaction will be just like Mary's. We want to hold on to that moment forever, to never let go. But God will speak to us as well. Jesus will give his presence to you. He will also give his perspective to you. So that as you spend more time with God, as you return to him again and again, as you spend more time with the people of God, that you'll not only begin to be able to more easily hear Jesus' voice, to recognize his presence with you, you'll not only, in other words, begin to see Jesus from God's perspective, you will also begin to see yourself from God's perspective. You'll see how you are growing, how you are learning, how God is using you to care for and bless others, how you can become less anxious 
and holding on to God because as you return again and again, He is always there, always with you, always speaking His words of love to you, His words of challenge to you. As you grow, you will learn to love your story. Not because of your situation, not because everything's okay or good or fine or, or even better. You will learn to love your story because God is powerfully with you in your story, in your situation. There are many stories I could tell about the power of encountering God, the power of God's purpose in our lives when he speaks his words to us. Many of the stories that I know, and I assume that many of the stories that you know are big stories and supernatural stories, that when we hear them, they seem so far off and so impossible that we might wonder if that ever could be me or my story. But the story I want to share with you this afternoon is a very small one, a very simple one. It's a very recent one. Just earlier this week, Kaylee and I shared a meal with friends who are wondering about a relationship with God. If and when they encounter God right now in their lives, we know that it might only be through us, maybe through one or two other Christians they know. Over over supper, we shared our stories as couples about what brought us to Calgary. The good parts, the bad parts, the struggles that we had along the way. A few of the struggles we still have. And after we told our story, our friends said, well, now you can never leave. We love having this connection, and we don't want to lose it. And I thought to myself, now they're starting to meet with Jesus. Why? Because they want to hold on to him. They don't want Jesus to, they don't want to leave that relationship with Jesus. As we drove home, Kaylee and I agreed that part of God's purpose for us in Calgary is to love those people. None of our problems are solved. We are in exactly the same situation this week that we were last week. I have a bit of a cold. That's new. But that's, that's it. But we're very clear on that topic. God is calling us to be present with these friends and to be His presence to these friends. And having that confidence that we are experiencing God's purpose for us, even in this one little area of our life, that makes all the difference. Encountering God, looking at God and listening to Him has made all the difference for us. It did for Mary. It did for the disciples and it will and it does for you too. So let's come to God in prayer and ask one more time for His presence and for his purpose for us. Please join me. God, in the midst of the chaos of our world, we remember and celebrate the gardener who created this world, who gave purpose to the first people. And we remember the gardener who is still making new life and giving purpose and clarity, comfort and joy wisdom, and confidence. God, we, our, our lives are so complex. As we continue to pursue your vision for us as a church, 
as we continue to be diverse people gathered here on a weekly basis, we remember and recognize that our lives are so different from one another that no one could possibly guide and shepherd and care for us all. No one except you. So God, I pray and we pray this morning that you would meet with us this week. Encounter us in our grief. Encounter us when we are overwhelmed. Encounter us when we are tired. Encounter us when we just come to the end of ourselves and can't do anything more. Open our hearts to hear your voice, to see you at work in supernatural ways and also in the beauty and normal stuff of everyday life as you uphold this world uh, through all kinds of natural means and as your Holy Spirit works in normal and in supernatural ways through your people, through your church. God, open our eyes and ears to see and hear you and open our hearts so that when we encounter you, we would take, we, we would be, have that same longing that we would want to hold on to you knowing that something holy and special is happening. Lord, give us in that moment the sense of purpose and confidence that we need. That where we go, you go with us. That what you call us to, you have blessed us to do. That you do not send us alone or without the ability to do the things that you call us to. Our work, our play, our, our leisure time, our family, everything else, Lord. Bless us and guide us. Continue to give us the resurrection life, the new life that is possible only through you and through your power, the power of your son Jesus, raised to new life. In his name we pray, amen.